After checking the tape, what are the things that stood out the most about the Dolphins' offensive performance in Week 1 against the Chargers? We're here to talk about it here on Locked on Dolphins. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami, welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. It's your team every day here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, a lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, host of Locked On Dolphins, co-host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Find our shows on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Special tip of the cap to our everydayers who do keep it locked in with us on a daily basis because we don't just say we live it. It is your team every day. Today's episode of Locked On Dolphins is brought to you by prize picks easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports go to prizepicks.com slash locked on nfl and use code locked on nfl in all lowercase for a first deposit match up to 100 dollars. we checked the tape over the course of the last 36 hours and we did the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball and of course we knocked the defense out of the way uh, first, because I knew there would be a lot of questions about that Vic Fangio defense and what it did and did not do. And uh, if you missed it, check it out. But while you're here, you might as well stay for the discussion around the Miami Dolphins offense, which um, did some stuff <laughs> throughout the course of Sunday afternoon in Los Angeles. Just a monster performance 536 yards of offense 466 passing yards 36 points a win a four minute drive at the end of the game to take the lead so a fourth quarter comeback all the goods you got it from this Dolphins offense and we're going to do the same thing that we did in discussing the defensive side of the ball by first talking about who played who didn't play and then expanding the conversation to elements of the offense and how they did and did not execute. Tip of the cap to the six members of the team who played every offensive snap to a tongue of a low quarterback, offensive tackle, Austin Jackson, offensive guard, Robert Hunt, Connor Williams, offensive tackle, Kendall Lamb, and tight end Durham Smythe all played all 67 snaps of the Dolphins' offensive performance. Now, offensive guard Isaiah Wynn played 66 snaps. I don't know if it was an equipment issue or what. He was out for one play in favor of Liam Eikenberg at the left guard spot. From a snap perspective in the skill group, Raheem Mostert, if there was any question who the Dolphins' lead back is as things currently stand, 49 snaps out of 67. The next highest running back on this group, if you're not including Alec Ingold, he had 30 snaps, was uh, Savon Ahmed with 19. Wide receivers, Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, 44 and 43 snaps apiece. Alec Ingold snapped 30 snaps. Braxton Berrios, 35. Eric Azucama, 19, including some uh, baby Debo type reps which is really an interesting development for the Dolphins. If I think about how this got accomplished, we talked about it immediately on the post-game reaction show, and you, you've probably heard some of the commentary around the team by now. This, this really was a master class of returning to core concepts, 
diversifying the offense simultaneously and creating new layers of challenges to filtering through all of the pre-snap noise that the Dolphins give you. It was really a phenomenal look at kind of the next step and evolution of this offense in a way that we thought the Dolphins were going to zig offensively. Pound the rock, renewed investment to the running game, and that very well may be the case long-term. But it was not the case in week one against the Chargers. And I am curious how much of the insight of former Chargers defense coordinator Ronaldo Hill provided Mike McDaniel to seeing what the core pillars uh, were of how the Chargers defended the Dolphins last year and what adjustments that you, you made. And the obvious adjustment was this short out speed motion, same side of formation, to replicate a lot of the jet motion that the Dolphins ran last year. But now it's coming from the same side. There's less time to identify. There's less time to react. You can't pass off responsibilities and bump the coverage shell and get the extra hat from the other side of the formation to roll down and allow everybody to condense and compress into the flat and take away that initial air for those Dolphins core concepts. So I think that's what's really cool about what they ultimately ended up doing with the personnel that they had is they, they stayed in a lot of 11. You saw 21 personnel. Durham Smythe obviously played the entire game. Um, and what they managed to do was do new variations of a lot of familiar things. Now, I do think there was some newness to the offense as well when you consider who else got involved. Uh, Braxton Barrows, obviously some critical touches. Eric Azucama, kind of a diversified piece. The Dolphins coming out in 11 personnel and putting Savan Ahmed in the slot and Eric Azucama in the backfield and tossing the ball to Eric Azucama as an example of a wrinkle. Uh, the, the Dolphins on, on more than one occasion had two backs out on the field, including the game-winning drive. They had a swing route to Raheem Mostert that was led by motion across the formation from Savan Ahmed to try to get him out on the corner to set up a block. And the Chargers pressured in that instance. They brought six to a tongue of a loa, floats it up over top of Nick Bosa, rushing off the edge, or Joey Bosa rushing off the edge. Savan Ahmed loses his footing, and Raheem gets down to the four-yard line, and then the Dolphins score touchdown on the next play. So you had, like, a lot of familiar, but then you also had these new uh, hybrid personnel groupings with more crossover and, and carryover and ambiguity, inching a little closer to positionless football, uh, which I think is a really promising development in the grand scheme of things for the Dolphins and what they did. We're going to talk a little bit more about the passing game next year on this episode of Locked on Dolphins and what the Dolphins did, how the pass protection looked, what Tua Tungvaloa did look like upon further review through the coach's film. So lots of good stuff coming. Keep it locked in. Stick with us. Before we go any further, the NFL season is here, and we got some incredible offers for you over FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. How's that for ROI? Plus, all customers who bet $5 at FanDuel can get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time 
To join FanDuel, the app is super easy to use. It's safe and secure. You can be on everything from spreads to player props and everything in between. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to kick off the NFL season with an offer you do not want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. So I guess I would be remiss to not really go deep dive on Tua Tungvalu. And uh, I love talking about Tua. I hate tweeting about Tua <laughs> because Tua Tungvalu is different and unique and skill-specific and a little unorthodox with what his strengths are versus uh, the aliens that go out there on Sundays and are diving to the ground, rocket launching a ball horizontal uh, to the ground, parallel to the ground, and getting their throws put in the new Madden video game so people don't like it. So there's not a lot of room for nuance and conversation on social with Tua, but to actually talk about Tua, I'm game. I love it. I love the ins and outs and mechanics of quarterback play and, of course, uh, running an offense to the degree of which what the Dolphins did on Sunday. What impressed me most about Tua was this. I thought Tua played small in the right way. And usually you hear small and it's associated with negativity, particularly as a quarterback, because there's this inability to see the field. There's kind of this timidness. It was a responsible level of Tua Tungavaloa protecting himself. It was not timid because he was super confident with the ball, but it was understanding he got hit twice in short succession, hot off the edge, off his right side. And on both instances, his eyes started to his right. If you want to be hot, you want your eyes to start where you're going to be hot, where the protection is not so that you can see it and understand if you really do have a math problem or not. And on the first one, Austin Jackson has to squeeze and condense down because the Chargers bring a, a, a linebacker and a blitz, and this, Connor Williams is stepping to his left, and Robert Hunt now has to squeeze and help with the defensive tackle that shaded on Connor Williams. And then an inside linebacker fires downhill, and Austin Jackson's got to squeeze and protect the B-gap. So now Joey Bosa is screaming off the edge. Well, okay. We get set up, get our feet set. We've got an in route, five-yard in route to Jalen Waddle. Completed pass. Get some extra yards. Move on with your life. The second one, they decided to bring a um, defensive back from a little bit wider out. It was a disguised pressure, a five-man pressure with, with the nickel defender being the fifth rusher coming off the edge. And on that play, Tua Tungvaloa has double slant with Savan Ahmed out of the backfield, running a flat. And Tua gets the ball, eyes are to his right, he sees the free runner coming, but because it's a defensive back, that player is upfield and closer to him because of his acceleration ability, and he is immediately in the throwing window of Savan Ahmed in the flat, and he does not have either one of the slants. So what do you do? Without hesitation, he puts it out of bounds. He puts it in the vicinity of a receiver, but he throws it out of bounds, conceding the down, coming back and living to fight another day. And there was time and time and time and time and time again throughout the course of this football game where in the pocket, he's in a tight pocket or he's stepped up into the pocket or he has an edge that has collapsed. And his throwing release is quick. It is compact. He feels it. 
he gets bumped at the end or he gets a hand placed on him at the end, but he doesn't hold the ball and allow pressure to create hits. He took as few hits in this game as I've seen Tua Tungvaloa take in a long time. And by that is what I mean when I say he played small. He played responsible. He played like a player who understands everything that's going on, understands when I have a down to give, when I have a hot, when I have a pressure, when I have to just spike the ball in the turf at the feet of an eligible and go to the next down. All of the management of operations of a play-to-play, he showcased it. I thought there were a couple of throws that he he kind of hung out there. I think both of the deep over routes that he threw uh, were bummers because I think he left both of them inside just a touch. The first one was the big haymaker to Tyreek Hill where Tyreek Hill runs that deep over coming to the left side of the field. And um, Tua has the play action fake and he gets set up and he kind of looks down into the flat at Braxton Barrows before working up to the over. But when he l- moves his eyes from the flat, up to the cross, and he I believe he does this to influence the corner that, that's underneath of that deep cross just to ensure that he sucks down and he's going to have space to lay the ball out there. He ends up oversetting his feet, and as he throws, maybe he's a little late. He doesn't really drive the throw. He kind of lays it out there, but he leaves it inside the hash. And I think there was a probably about a 10-yard window where you could have laid it anywhere in those 10 yards outside the hash and Tyree Kill could have ran underneath of it, and if you caught him in stride with a drive throw, he would have scored a touchdown for sure. We're we're acknowledging this to be objective about the hits and the misses with Tua. The other one was the deep over to Waddle, where I don't think he hung that one inside quite as much, but it did just force Waddle to have to try to high point and elevate, and Michael Davis ran underneath of it and tipped the ball, and it was incomplete. But the anticipation... Holy cow, guys. Um, I'm I'm not totally sure how well you can zone this team if two is going to see the field like that and have that level of anticipation. Because you, you have these safeties playing at 15, 20 yards of death because the speed that you have with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell and the respect that they commanded, and then the linebackers uh, playing in the middle of the field, they almost have to guess. And as long as you're confirming post-snap what you think you're seeing, um, he's he has one that put the Dolphins down in the red zone to Tyree Kill. The Tyree Kill has seven yards left on his stem and then bends it around the linebacker who's playing at like 15, 18 yards of depth. And he throws it while Tyree still has seven yards on the stem and then the break. And he puts it just past the diving fingertips of Eric Kendricks. Those two linebackers were were in H-E double hockey sticks <laughs> uh, for, for the Chargers on Sunday. Really eye-opening stuff. And there was an athletic limitation at safety with Aloe Gilman. He was never going to sniff a ball because the amount of vertical space he had to play with to respect what the dolphin speed was capable of doing. And when you don't, and you get Derwin James, who is slow to get depth because he's creeping down because the quarterback's eyes go away. 
and the second eligible receiver is running some kind of route that's designed to snag your attention, Tua is going to get to the top of his drop, flip his eyes back your way, and he's going to lay out a touchdown pass to Tyreek Hill on, I believe they called it Z Sky, was what Tyreek Hill called in the postgame press conference. And you're going to blink and you're going to miss it. Passing game firing on all cylinders. Uh, lots of flowers given to the offensive line. Uh, I think they were super combative. Robert Hunt, a ton of help towards Joey Bosa throughout the course of the game. Um, I thought both Austin Jackson and uh, Kendall Lamb stood up against their, their respective challenges quite well. Um, Austin Jackson had a couple of, of reps against Joey Bosa where he put him in the ground. And Kendall Lamb, uh, I thought his initial set and his hand usage was really, really refined, where Austin, the hand strikes weren't still overly crisp, but the anchor was better. The reactive athleticism was more effective than what it's been in the past, and it allowed him to have a strong performance, especially on the spectrum of what we've seen from Austin Jackson. You want to replicate a lot of that. Uh, now, I think you'll get some different uh, strategies with New England. Um, I don't think you'll get more man than what the Chargers gave you. But I think you'll probably have more athletic players, be it uh, Kyle Duggar or Marte Mapu or uh, Jalen Mills as guys that are probably going to be middle-of-the-field defenders uh, as compared to the linebackers that the Chargers ran out there. But that's where having in the back of your mind that reinvestment in the running game I think is so important. Because if you're going to roll out three, four safeties against this team, they showed some surge and some ability to run the ball. And we're going to talk about the running game next here on this episode of Locked on Dolphins. So stick with us. Before we go any further, prize picks. One of the sponsors of today's show is Daily Fantasy Sports Done Right. Prize picks the most fun I've had winning up to 25 times my money. This football season, you just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and you can place your entry. Pies Picks offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday. Today, Prize Picks discounts certain player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Prize Picks now offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this football season. So go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNFL and use code LockedOnNFL for first deposit match up to $100. That is prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNFL, and use code LockedOnNFL for first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports done right. So from a run game perspective for the Dolphins, I was pretty impressed with the surge uh, that they were able to create, uh, especially early in the game. I thought the Chargers kind of became more increasingly exacerbated from the offensive success Miami was having. So as the game went on, you saw more. Uh, first half, there was some a lot of four-man rushes. There was some drop-eight coverage in there. You get later in the game, the Chargers are trying to compress, and they're trying to bring more five-man pressures, and they're, they're diverting to six-man pressures and, and really trying to heat you up and get home on blitzes. And I think that's why Brandon Staley in the post-game press conference was, was so frustrated because he's asked why the pass rush couldn't get home. He said, the ball's out. We got to him a little bit towards the second half, but the ball's getting out. 
But I think in the second half, the running game um, was a victim of some of that increased aggressiveness in trying to create negative plays and get off the field. Uh, because there there were a number of instances where I think you ran into not having numbers or having second-level defenders that were really aggressive to get downhill, whether they were blitzing by design or not, and uh, created some negative plays versus your first half really positive momentum that you had. Uh, now, I, I again, you go to the Raheem Mostert touchdown run, and that whole possession when they ran the ball, they were very, very effective at uh, everybody moving in sync. And that was an issue last year that I think left a lot of yards out on the field. With the running game was you'd be a block away, but your one missed block was a, a bad missed block. Uh, whereas as now in the first half of this football game, not that they ran the ball a ton, but you really saw the cohesiveness of uncovered offensive linemen climbing to second level players. And first level defensive linemen all getting cut off and getting sprung out. And if a player is really going to sell out to play and stretch over top of you, the back when he presses is going to do a really nice job of feeling that. That Raheem Mostert touchdown runs a great example. They run lead with Alec Engel. Raheem Mostert gets out of the out of the mesh point with the football and he presses right up onto the butt of Austin Jackson, who's dealing with a defensive lineman that's trying to crash down low and into the dirt. And as Raheem gets up to Austin Jackson, he feels the space to his left-hand side. And instead of turning and running, he gets a jump cut and his pad stays square. And he strings himself from that point across the center and is working upfield simultaneously. So he's horizontal to the line. He's feeling the space. And then he gets to where that crease is that he can get down and, and challenge for the goal line. And because his pads are square and because he is behind his pads as a result of that, he's able to play through contact and get into the end zone. It was just a really nice encapsulation of the chemistry of a back that's played in the system, playing behind offensive linemen who understand structurally how it's supposed to work. And, and you're seeing uh, wide receivers really dig down in there to dig out a safety. And um, I, I thought the execution was, was pretty strong. I think the uh, turn of events with Eric Azucama being a contributor in the run game and as a backfield player is an interesting one. We, we certainly kind of got some anticipation uh, that they had some, some eyes set for Azucama with the preseason and, and a couple of his scheme touches in the first game. But seeing him getting behind blockers and running to the edge and being close on one play to, to breaking a big play on that, that opening possession when they get down and, and fumble on the goal line, he's the guy that almost on the, the reverse gets into the end zone, if not for the effort of a defensive player playing off a block eight yards downfield and Derwin James chasing it down from all the way the opposite side to help close and finish the block. But that's a big physical runner. So thought the misdirection was good. I thought the zone footwork was good. I do, did think late in the game there was more than one occasion where you're, you're double teaming, and I think we, we kind of had our signals mixed a little bit late in the game because, again, the Chargers are moving more bodies around trying to uh, create negative plays and create confusion. So there's still some stuff to sort out. And then, of course, there's the volume component for the Dolphins' offense. Uh, 
But as I sit here, I think if they want to run the ball, they can run the ball. I think if they want to pass the ball, they can pass the ball. Uh, They've set a very clear message here that they can uh, continue to sling the the ball around the yard if they want to. Who's the first team that's going to sell out to stop it? And that's the team that I think is going to pay the price for it with the running game, because I think the running game this year is ready to have that kind of game. We'll see if it comes on Sunday against the Patriots. This is the last we are talking of the Chargers. We are on to the Patriots. Sunday night football this week. We, of course, have crossover Thursday on Thursday with Mike DeBeta locked on Patriots. We're going to get ready, and we hope to see you then. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm Kyle Krabs. I am out of here. Fins up. Enjoy the rest of your victory Tuesday, and we'll be back again tomorrow for more Miami Dolphins talk.